Chapter ninety two of the Headless Horseman. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Headless Horseman, a strange tale of Texas by Maine Reed. Chapter ninety two. A reluctant return. Calhoun clutches at the trailing bridle. The horse tries to avoid him, but cannot. His head is secured by the tangled rein and he can only bound about in a circle, of which his nose is the center. The river takes no head, nor makes any attempt to elude the capture, but sits stiff and mute in the saddle, leaving the horse to continue its cavortings. After a brief struggle the animal is secured. The capitor utters an exclamation of joy. It is suddenly checked, and by a thought he has not yet fully accomplished his purpose. What is this purpose? It is a secret known only to himself, and the stealthy glance cast around tells that he has no wish to share it with another. After scanning the selvage of the thicket, and listening a second or two, he resumes action. A singular action it might appear, to one ignorant of its object. He draws his knife from his sheath, clutches a corner of the serape, raises it above the breast of the headless rider, and then bends toward him as if intending to plunge the blade into his heart. The arm is uplifted. The blow is not likely to be warded off. For all that is not struck, it is stayed by a shout sent forth from the chaparral, by the edge of which a man has just made his appearance. The man is Zeb Stump. Stop that game, cries the hunter, riding out from the underwood and advancing rapidly through the low bushes. Stop it, dern ye! What game? rejoins the ex-officer with a dismayed look, at the same time stealthily returning his knife to its sheath. What the devil are you talking about? This brute's got caught by the brittle. I was afraid he might get away again. I was going to cut his damned throat so as to make sure of him. Ah, that's what you're arter. Well, I reckon there's no need to cut the critter's throat. We can screw it. Without that sort of bloody business, it air the hoss's throat, you mean, I suppose? Of course I mean the horse. In course, as for the man, somebody's dud that for him already, if it be a man. What do you make of it, Mr. Cash Calhoun? Damned if I know what to make of it. I haven't had time to get a good look at it. I've just this minute come up. By heaven, he continues, feigning a grand surprise. I believe it's the body of a man, and dead. That last air probable enough tain't likely he'd been alive with no head on his shoulders there's none under the blanket is there no i think not there cannot be lift it a little and see i don't like touching it it's such a cursed queer looking thing dern it you want so particular a minute ago what's come over you now ah stammers calhoun i was excited with chasing it i got angry at the damn thing and was determined to put an end to its capers Never mind, then, interposes Zeb. I'll make an expression of it. Yes, he continues, riding nearer and keeping his eyes fixed upon the strange shape. Yes, it's the body of a man, and no mistake, dead as a buck, and stiff as a hunch of venison in a hard frost. Hello, he exclaims, on raising the skirt of the serape. It's the body of a man whose murder being tried. Your own cousin, young Pointdexter, it is by the eternal god i believe you are right by heaven it is he just so fat proceeds zeb 
after a counterfeiting surprise at the discovery. This air the mysterious thing of all, while I reckon there's no use in our staying here to speak late upon it. Best thing we could do is to take the body back, just as it's sought in the saddle, which appears pretty firm. I know the hoss too, and I reckon when he smell my old marabit, he'll come along without much coaxing. Gee up, old girl, and make yourself known to him. There now, don't you see it's a previous acquaintance o' yourn? Though certainly a poor critter appears to have had rough usage o' late, and you might well be excused for not recognizing him. Tear some time since he's had a curry to his skin. While the hunter is speaking, the horse be stridden by the dead body, and the old mare place their snouts in contract, then withdraw them with a sniff of recognition. I thought so, exclaimed Zeb, taking hold of the strayed bridle, and detaching it from the mesquite. The stellion's bound to lead quietly enough, so long as he's in crumpy with the mar. Till all events, twon't be necessary to cut his throat to keep him from running away. Now, Mr. Calhoun, he continues, glancing stealthily at the other, to witness the effect produced by his speeches, don't you think we better start right away? The trial may still be going on, and if so, we may be wanted to take part in it. I reckon that we've got a witness here. Alice'll do something towards elucidating the case, either to the hanging, the mousetanger, or what air more likely turning him altogether o' the church, while air ready to take the back track. Oh, certainly, as you say, there's no reason for our remaining here. Zeb moves off first, leading the captive alongside of him. The latter makes no resistance, but rather seems satisfied at being conducted in company. Calhoun rides slowly. A close observer might say reluctantly in the rear. At a point where the path angles abruptly around a clump of trees, he reins up, and appears to consider whether he should go on or gallop back. His countenance betrays terrible agitation. Zeb Stump, admonished by the interrupted football, becomes aware that his traveling companion has stopped. He pulls up his mare, and facing round, regards the loiter with a look of interrogation. He observes the agitated air, and perfectly comprehends its cause. Without saying a word, he lowers his long rifle from its rest upon his left shoulder, lays it across the hollow of his arm, ready at an instant's notice to be carried to his cheek. In this attitude, he sits eyeing the ex-captain of cavalry. There is no remark made. None is needed. Zeb's gesture is sufficient. It plainly says, Go back if you dare. The latter, without appearing no notice it, takes the hint and moves silently on but no longer is he permitted to ride in the rear. Without saying it, the old hunter has grown suspicious, and makes an excuse for keeping behind, with which his compagnon du voyage is compelled to put up. The cavalcade advances slowly through the chaparral. It approaches the open prairie. At length the skyline comes in sight. Something is seen upon the distant horizon appears to impress Calhoun with a fresh feeling of fear, and once more, reining up, he sits considering. Dread is the alternative that occupies his mind. Shall he plunge back into the thicket, and hide himself from the eyes of men, or go on and brave the dark storm that is fast gathering around him? He would give all he owns in the world, all that he ever hopes to own. Even Louise Poindexter herself, to be relieved of the hated presence of Zeb Stump, to be left for ten minutes alone with the headless horseman. It is not to be the sleuth-hound that has followed him thus far seems more than ever inexorable 
though lots to believe it, instinct tells him that the old hunter regards him as the real captive, and any attempt on his part to steal away, but will end in his receiving a bullet in the back. After all, what can Zeb Stump say or do? There is no certainty that the backwoods man knows anything of the circumstance that is troubling him, and after all there may be nothing to be known. It is evident that Zeb is suspicious, but what of that? Only the friendless need fear suspicion, and the ex-officer is not one of these, unless that little tell-tale be discovered. He has nothing to fear, and what chance of its being discovered? Once against ten, in all likelihood it stayed not where it was sent, but was lost in the secret recesses of the chaparral. Influenced by this hope, Calhoun regains courage, and with an air of indifference, more assumed than real, he rides out into the open prairie, close followed by Zeb Stump on his critter, the dead body of Henry Poindexter bringing up the rear. End of chapter 92